Welcome to the Rock House Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to grow closer to God and to share Him with others. If you would like to find out more about this church or how you can connect, grow, and go, then be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org. And now, today's message. This morning, we are going to continue with uh, our, our Bible reading plan. And this week, you get to start one of my favorite books. It's one of the most interesting books in the Old Testament, in my opinion. Probably one of the most important because of some of the things that Daniel prophesied about. Especially prophesying the exact timing of the first coming of Jesus Christ. Daniel, he had such a, a, a keen insight from God. And last week we talked about this man by the name of Josiah, who was, in my opinion, one of the greatest kings Israel, well, Judah, ever had, God's people ever had. And after he died, we go back into the same series of good kings, bad kings, mostly bad kings. The prophets try to get the people back in line. The people won't repent. And eventually God, being a good, good father, has to discipline his children. And so he disciplines the entire nation by allowing the Babylonians to come in, conquer them, and exile them back to Babylon for 70 years. They're basically getting time out for 70 years. So many of those people are deported to Babylon. Uh, many people are killed. Families are torn apart. This is a great Father's Day message right here already, isn't it? Families are torn apart. <laughs> Jerusalem, the, 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 the city of God is totally ransacked. The nation is just about totally destroyed and devastated. And it's one of those occasions where people have to just stand back and look at each other and say, what in the world are we ever going to do? How will we ever get through this? But in the small book here in the middle of the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, Daniel gives us some great insight into this period of history. And through uh, this lens, since it's Father's Day, I want us to look at it this way. Through the eyes of godly children. Because I believe that godly fathers, godly families, will raise up godly children. Yeah, sometimes our kids are going to make mistakes. But I tell you what, when it's all said and done, I believe that godly children will fall back in line, they'll turn back to the Lord, and they're going to be all right. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, looking at Daniel chapter 1. Because when godly children, true godly children, and we got some godly kids in our church, guys, when they are raised up by godly families, listen, it don't matter what's going on in the world. The whole world that they know can fall apart. The nation can fall apart. The children can be dragged into captivity somewhere. They can move off to college. They can start high school. But in the end, they're going to be okay. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1. We're going, to, we're going to go through the whole chapter. Daniel chapter 1 begins this way. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family 
and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledge, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. And the king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. You'll probably recognize those names a little bit later in Daniel, right? So the first thing we want to realize in the opening verses of Daniel is that godly children will never forget where they came from. Don't matter where they go in life, where the Lord takes them, they will not forget where they came from. I believe that the family is the most sacred and most important unit, the most important element on the face of God's earth. Would you agree? It's the first thing that God instituted after He set everything in order and He went about the work of creation. He made man and woman and He, he designed marriage and to be between a man and a woman. And then He says, start a family. Your job, your primary task is to start a family and raise godly children. And here in Daniel, we see that really for parents, the most unimaginable thing happens. As their children are ripped from them, they're torn from them, they're carried off to a, a pagan land, to a pagan palace, to serve a pagan king, to eat from his table, to learn his language and learn his culture and his ways, and to assimilate into this pagan society that worshiped these false gods, did not know the true God, to the point that they changed their Hebrew names to Babylonian names. And the par- think about the parents of these four men. What would you do? Somebody comes in. The Chinese come in tomorrow. Take us over and they take all your children off to serve in their little place over in China. How would you react? How would you feel? Although we don't know much about these four men's parents, I think they were some pretty awesome parents. Because we see how these four men respond very quickly to the situation that they're thrown into. Because even when presented with unthinkable life circumstances, godly children who've been raised by godly parents, they won't forget their godly upbringing. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would drop me off at school every day, and as I'd get out of the car, the last thing she'd say, she'd look over at me and say, don't forget you're raising all right, Mom, whatever. But even though I didn't think much about it at the time, I knew what Mom was saying. She knew, or I knew, that I was raised in a godly home, and I better not forget it when I set foot in that school or whatever I do after school. And while I slipped a time or two in my forgetfulness, I never truly forgot my raising. You know, I see the same thing in my kids. Easton's at a very impressionable age, and I don't know if you realize this as a parent, but they tend to amplify some of your best traits and some of your worst traits as well. 
And I look at Easton sometimes, and, and I just see him say things to people and, and do things. I'm like, this kid is just so kind-hearted, and he clearly takes that after his dad. <laughs> but at the same time, in the next breath, I'll see him look at Audrey, who's just done something unthinkable, and he'll, Audrey Grace, what are you doing? And I think he gets that from his mom. <laughs> I can say anything I want today. This is my day. <laughs> but even with the good and even with the bad, I, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident my kids are going to be okay. As long as I keep following the Lord. Godly parents will raise godly kids, and those kids will be all right. They'll remember how they were raised. They're raising, as we like to say. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we've got to raise godly children. I think our, our, our first and most primary task as Christians is to raise godly children in a godly home to the best of our abilities. We can then send those kids out into the world to be lights to be ambassadors for Christ. And guess what? We don't have to worry about them. We'll get to that in a minute. Notice how these four men respond when they're pressured to go against their raisin. Look at verse 8. It says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. And God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord the King who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other men your age? You would endanger my life with the King. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Not only will godly children remember where they came from, but godly children will honor God above all else. Regardless of, of what situation they will find themselves, they will choose to honor God. I'm not a real picky eater. I don't know if you knew that. But I'm not real picky. I, I love most foods, and I'll be honest, most of us dads, we're going to eat good today, aren't we? Amen. One guy is going to get treated today. Hopefully you got to eat good yesterday, I guess. But most of us plan on, i got two big old slabs of ribs in the smoker right now as we speak that I plan on just devouring after church. But we plan on eating good. And we don't know exactly why they refuse these foods and this wine. The Bible doesn't make it extremely clear. It could be because it broke the Jewish law. It could be because these... Uh, foods and this drink had been offered to idols. That was a pagan thing to do, and they didn't want to do that and, and dishonor God. Or it could be that Daniel and these four guys looked at this, and they said, you know what? Accepting this food means we're accepting this king. And we only got one king that we're going to accept. 
And so they drew a line in the sand and, 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 and they would not defile themselves with this king's provisions. And so they would rather risk it all, put their lives on the line, rather than to dishonor their God. That's pretty awesome for these young men who've been dragged from their home and thrown into this situation. You see, it's one thing to remember where you came from. And it's one thing to try to continue a godly legacy for generation after generation after generation. But if it really came down to it, how many of us, even we adults, would be willing to put it all out there on the line to honor God? To put our life on the line. They said, you know what, king, you can rip me from my family. You can take me from my land. You can put me in this pagan palace. You can put your pagan name on me, call me whatever you want to call me, but you will not take my God away from me. I think that's an attitude that has to be taught. I think that's something our children have to learn from us. I don't think it's natural to have such strength and such faith. And you can almost bet that these four men probably grew up seeing that kind of faith in their homes. Maybe even in their earthly fathers and their mothers. We as fathers have to model this for our children, guys. Our children need to see us loving their mothers as Christ loved the church. They need to see us providing and protecting our families. Our children need to see us fathers leading the family in worship. Leading them closer to the Lord. They need to see you down on your knees talking to your Heavenly Father from time to time. They need to see the love of God reflected in our love for them. And when they grow up, wherever they end up, (laughs) I don't think they'll forget that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, So whether you eat or drink, I like this part, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And I think when your children see you doing everything in your life, because life gets busy, there's a lot of things that we dads have to do, a lot of I had to come home yesterday and spend two or three hours just cutting grass. But you know what? I cut that grass for the glory of God. And my, hopefully my kids saw that. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. And your children will see that. And they'll say, you know what? Whatever I do in life, wherever I go, I'm going to be like Dad. I'm going to do it for God's glory. So Dad, how are you teaching your kids to honor the Lord? What are they seeing in you? What kind of things do they see you doing? How do they see you responding to the different things that life throws at you? How do they see you treating their mama? Look at the rest of the verses here. Starting in verse 17. Not only will godly children who are raised by godly parents remember where they come from and honor God, but I think God's going to take care of them. Verse 17 says, God gave these four young men, He gave them knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. 
At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Here comes the big moment. This is probably three years into this or whatever. The big moment. The king interviewed them. And among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. These guys found some favor with this king, this pagan king, because God had favored them. Godly children, here's what I want you to get. They're not just ours, guys. Godly children are God's children. They're the greatest gift that God ever entrusts to us. But you know what? At the end of the day, Easton and Audrey aren't mine. I'm tasked to raise them and lead them to the Lord, but they belong to God. And at some point, they will leave my house. And I have to trust that their Heavenly Father is going to take care of them. Here in this story, these, these men, I think these were exceptional men. I don't think these were just average Joes, to be honest with you. They were some of the cream of the crop. But still, the Bible's clear. The Heavenly Father gave them even more than what they had. He gave them wisdom. He gave them knowledge and understanding. He gave them special favor with their captors, with King Nebuchadnezzar, who believed they were tenfold better than anybody else that he had in Babylon. Isn't that awesome? Dads, when we raise up godly children, most of the time, we can trust that they'll do the right thing. We, that's why we still have to discipline. But we can also trust they'll represent us well when they go out there in the world. You send them into that school that they'll remember they're raising. But we don't have to worry about them. We don't have to worry that maybe the world's going to take them from us. I know that's always a concern. And as a parent, you're always going to be fearful for your children. But you don't have to fret when you've raised them up in a godly home. Because as much as we believe they're ours, as much as we've invested into them, and as good as a father that we may be, guys, like I said, one day they're going to have to step out from under our wings and you may be the best father here. But your heavenly father is a lot better than you are. And he can take care of them a lot better than you can. That hurts a little bit, doesn't it? We're, we're kind of prideful about that. But he is. He's a good, good father. As much as I love my children, and I do, I love them. I still know that God even loves them more than I do. I remember when <laughs> Audrey was on her way. Me and Easton got close really quick when he was a, uh, just a little baby boy. And I remember some of you parents may be able to relate to this if you got more than one child. I remember when Audrey was, we were expecting her, and I thought, I even talked to people about it. I was like, I don't know how I can love this kid the way I love my son, my firstborn son. I'm not going to love her the same way. I can't love her as much. I quickly learned, as you all know, it don't quite work that way, does it? And as much as I love both of them, 
I know my Heavenly Father loves them more than that. As much as I would put on the line for them and sacrifice for them, He has sacrificed more than that by sending His own Son. God takes care of His children. He provides for them. He cares for them. He guides them and watches over them. The Bible says He never leaves them. He never forsakes them. And man, if you've never had a father like that in your life, you can have one today. You may not know what it feels like to have a father that loves you unconditionally. And it's always there for you. But you can gain a father just like that today through Jesus Christ. I guess that's my biggest point I want you to leave here with is that your father loves you. A couple years ago, we got to go over to Camp Nathaniel for a summer camp. I got to speak to the kids for a week. And I had Easton with me. I think this was before Audrey was born. So it's been several years ago. I took Easton with me one night, and I was really laying the gospel out there. I wanted the kids to understand just how much their Heavenly Father loved them. I brought Easton up, and I put he was, wasn't nearly as big as he was now, is now. Put him up on my shoulders. I said, kids, look at this young and Ain't he awesome? Said, this is my son. This is my boy. He is, he, he's a good kid. He is cool. And I love him. But I tell you what, if I was God, you would not get salvation. Because I wouldn't let nobody put my son on a cross. But that's what our father did for us. <laughs> what a good, good father. That's how much your heavenly father loves you. To put his son on the cross for your sin. I just want you to know that you'll never find a better father than our heavenly father. 1 John chapter 3 says, See what great love the father has given us that we should be called God's children. He punished his son so you could become one of his children. So the last question I have for you, us dads is how, how are you modeling that kind of love for your children? How are you reflecting the love that God has for you into the lives of your kids and of your wives? What are you teaching them? Which direction are you leading them? Are you worried about them? Do your kids know that God loves them? Because the greatest thing I think we as fathers can do is to lead our kids to the Lord. Just like this man did a couple weeks ago. Right here. That's what it's all about, folks. Our task is fathers and mothers, but your day, you already had your day, so we're over that. Our role as fathers is probably the most important role that you'll ever have in your life, besides being a husband. Let's take it seriously, guys. Let's raise up some godly kids that will go out here and do much greater than we ever thought we could do. Amen? Stand with me. Let's pray together.
Father, we, we just love you this morning. Lord, we are so thankful that no matter where we've been in life, no matter how difficult it's been at times, how good it's been at times, no matter how far we've drifted away or whatever the case may be, we thank you that we have a good Father, a great Father that loves us more than we can even begin to wrap our feeble minds around. Father, I thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on that cross for me so that I could be adopted into your family and be called one of your children. Lord, I pray that you'd bless these men, that you'd bless these fathers. I pray that you would give them the strength, the wisdom, sometimes even the patience, Lord, to lead their families well. I pray that you'd help us men, God, to love our wives as you love the church. To love our families. Help us to raise up some godly children that will go out into this world as little ambassadors for Jesus and begin to change the lives that are around them, Lord. And Father, today if there's someone here Maybe there's some fathers that's made some mistakes. Lord, I pray they just know that today they can have a fresh start. Because of what Jesus did, Lord, that they can be forgiven. And today they can model for their children and for everyone watching what God can do in a life, regardless of how old they are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.